drag that compliment out of you. <laughs> you ever get the feeling that everything in America is completely fucked up? You know that feeling that the whole country is like one inch away from saying, that's it, forget it. Let's see. Hey, we're on, uh, now look, here's a house full of bees. Feels like you think the honey badger cool cares? It doesn't give a shit. Listen, let's get one thing straight. Price is right. Guns don't kill people. <laughs> well played. Well played. Well played. Well played. Well played. say listening to caribbean blue by enya while watching footage of like waco and 9-11 drone <laughs> strikes quite the mind fuck yeah. i know yeah that's a little i liked it i like yeah it. remember that time when uh oh yeah okay. <laughs> so first off we got a guest yes ryan houston happy to be here muay thai coach from norcal fighting alliance yeah stoked to be here thank you guys all, for having all around yeah, good man. dude stoked to have you and he just told us that he's not really informed and everything, so we're going to uh, fill his brain for yeah. our whole uh, special brand of wingnutism. Yeah, yeah, I'm down. You're going to leave here ears. changed, man. <laughs> I'm all ears. Not yes. for the better. <laughs> so I think uh, we should tell Ryan the Anya story because there's a point of he switches up the music for every episode. Oh, awesome, awesome. Right? Okay. So that's why you saw me start cracking up as soon as that <laughs> song came on. It was fitting. I liked it. Yeah, so, so what had happened is I was living in San Francisco. And then my life had basically bottomed out. <laughs> it came out of a long-term relationship. S decided to start all over. I moved into Kelly's backyard. He had an Airstream trailer. Nice. And I had an old school uh, cassette deck in there. Mm. And I had nothing. I brought up my surfboards and my tools. And like that was it. Mm. And um, <clears throat> I started thinking, I was like, it'd be nice to listen to some music. So I went down to the, I walked down to the nearest thrift store. And they had two tapes. Leonard Skinner Live and Shepherd Moon by Enya. Uh -huh. And so I was like, well, I guess this is what I'm listening to. And I'd like back to back, just listen to those tapes back, you know, back to back. Yeah. And then um, how did you find out it was Enya? You came you, out there I and I was like listening it. to Enya. I could hear it loud. I'm like, dude, are you listening to Enya right now? And you're like, what? Like, this is good music. <laughs> it's all I had. It's also the only tape I have. <laughs> I mean, it is good music. I actually really it's, like Enya. It's a jam. Dude, I wonder what it'd be like if we just listened to Enya one day at the gym. Like, just hold <laughs> rolling stereo. Yeah. I think it'd Enya be awesome. for a whole session. I used to go to the jiu-jitsu morning class, and this guy was running it. And I went in there, and he, was, he put on Pantera. And I'm a huge death metal fan. Mm. But... It was just too much. I was like, hey, we're not really lacking in aggression in here. Right, yeah. right. We mellowed out the music. Now, you'd think they would go together, but no. Yeah, I could it's, see that not working. It's just got like this tap out vibe. <laughs> it's like, oh, exactly. Oh, yeah, yeah. Not too cool. 
So anyways, Matt had this, so I called Matt and I left a uh, voicemail. I was on tour. So I'd leave, I'd come home for like three weeks and then leave for tour. Oh, okay. I was just like, didn't hang out. All I did was just stay in this trailer or it's gone like out of town. Yeah. And then he decided to call me. Yeah, it was like, uh, yeah, Matthew McKenzie, this is Bill Ferguson from the Santa Rosa Fire Department. Uh, turns out, uh, looks like the place that you've been living in uh, caught fire and uh, burned to the ground. We we sourced the, the source of the fire to be the tape deck. This seemed to be an Enya tape stuck in the <laughs> tape deck. <laughs> and uh, it froze up and caught fire. So, <laughs> so You might want to give us a call. I can understand. You might want to keep this under wraps. Yeah, we'll keep this. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Let's get out. And that was the same song from the tape that was in the intro? Yes. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I like it. That's the hit. Mm. Well, was that the hit? Or, or Sail Away. Yes, Sail Away. I That's mean, I don't know any other Enya songs. <laughs> you <ask. laughs> now you, as our resident Enya expert, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so, uh, how was the fight last night? You went and uh, cornered for fighter out of our gym dom yeah dominic uh do harm do charm um it was good <laughs> that's like it was it was sweet good. nickname um a lot of times with with fight shows they drag on a bit yeah they're always behind schedule um mm-hmm. so i was happy to have him get in and get out real quick and we could kind of enjoy the night nice um he was supposed to be the third fight on the card mm-hmm. but it's always something you know what i mean yeah. and uh they they pushed him forward to the second so um we had a bit of a rush getting his hands wrapped and getting him warmed up. We didn't have much time. Um, and we were working backstage basically exactly what he did in the fight. And uh, it made me super proud. Like, oh, no way. Like yeah. you planned out the the fight? Yeah. yeah. I mean, you so, know. So I, you're saying you get the credit. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Dom, Dom went out there and did his thing. Um but it's just uh, we were able to expose some holes in his game and nice. just drill it a little bit backstage. And um, it just it just, came just from watching uh, film on the guy. Yeah. Yeah. He had sent me a film um, two days prior to the fight. And then I kind of looked it over, took some notes. Nice. I would almost if I was getting ready for a fight, I would so much rather be rushed. Then yeah. have a ton of time to think about it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you're up next. Like, what? Fuck. Okay, let's go. Mm-hmm. Like, that That would be ideal. So, if, if you guys are ever cornering for me in a fight, uh, just don't tell me when it starts. Okay. Lie to me. Gotcha. And then, okay. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't tell me. Tell your coach. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. that's, Sorry. That's how it is, too. Um, I've, if I'm your coach, we got some problems. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's always easier to fight on the beginning of the card. I'm in a fight, then we already have problems. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> problems are stacking up um so i know some fighters that uh they go out of their way it's like i don't want to know who i'm fighting i'm mm-hmm. just like i'm just not going to pay attention to it he's like because at the end of the day like what's the difference yeah yeah some- then i know other guys like they they want to see tape and they want to do as much homework as they can and like what is this guy is he a you know a, a ground guy is he a boxer is he a wrestler or what you know i th- i think it's better to film study a little bit yeah. um a lot of people they might be confident in their own game and not worry about it. Yeah. But you want to have as many advantages as you can going in there. Yeah. And to be, to be fair, I should, there's a bit of a caveat. One of the people that said like, I don't, I don't care who I'm fighting and doing what look mm-hmm. is, um, is a genuine like psychopath. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. One of the craziest people I know. So, and you know, it takes a little bit of that yeah. to fight, you know, yeah. um, in Thailand, we would ask our coaches like who were fighting sometimes. Mm-hmm. Same, same you, man. Like they wouldn't really give you too much. Yeah. And, um, it's just, it depends. I think with MMA, it's a little bit different. There's a lot more, 
more to, dynamic. To MMA, yeah, yeah. Right. It's, it's it's not as straightforward. Um, so there's a lot more you have to train for and prepare for. Mm-hmm. Um, with Muay Thai, it's it's a little little less of that. You know, it's just mm-hmm. striking. Um, I always like to study my my guys. Yeah, um, I would do. Going back to what you said about not having much time, I I feel better having short notice fights as well. Um, for me, I just I get into my own head a little bit, you know what I mean. Uh-huh. And yeah. if it's short notice, you don't have that much time to right know, fill your head with doubt, you know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I could see that being an advantage. So he beat him in like thirty seconds. He did. Yeah. Um, yeah. He looked clean. Just kept it sharp. They had a few exchanges on the feet, and um, like I said, we noticed the guy was really open when he'd throw his jab, his left jab. His chin was kind of up. His right hand's down, and he was able to kind of cut an angle off the side, get off the center line and fire his left hand, right hook. Um, the guy dropped. He pounced on him, um, established control and half guard, I think, and just rained down some shots, and that was it. I can't think of a lot of people that Dom would have a problem with on the ground. <laughs> no, no. Okay, um, a freak of nature. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've, I've only rolled with him a few times, yeah. but it's it's harsh, you know. He's he's <laughs> yeah. He's got it, you know. Um, it's painful rolling with him. It's not fun. No. No. <laughs> yeah. no, he's good. I'm very proud of him. Um, you know, just keep moving forward, growing a little bit each fight. It's good. Yeah. He's He has not lost a fight, right? No, he's 4-0. He's, he's kind of plowing right through everyone. Yeah, yeah. Um, Sky's the limit with that guy, right? It is. It is, yeah. Um, he's got some crazy. Big, big plans, so I'm excited fantastic. for him. Happy awesome. To, yeah. Happy to be a part of it. So as uh, as a coach, did you work primarily with his like striking and stuff, or were you kind of? Yeah, yeah. Um, or were you kind of all around? So no, no. I I just work the striking with him. I leave gotcha. the grappling to the other side of the gym. You okay, know, gotcha. he, they've got that covered. Um, yeah, we just we just work striking, keep it nice and simple. That's my outlook on MMA is is just capitalize on their openings. You mm-hmm. know, and um, use what works. You yeah, know, high percentage is always better. You know. So one of the reasons that we had talked about, you know, we talked, to, we were kind of hesitant, bouncing back and forth about doing guests and or not, you know, and, and then when we started talking about it, we were throwing around people that you know that we thought would be interesting to kind of mm-hmm. crack that egg, and then um, your name came up because you have such an interesting fight story in that mm-hmm. your journey started when you were what like six <laughs> like um, extremely young right yeah yeah like because i remember talking to you you're like yeah i just i remember this age decide like this is what i want to do yeah yeah so um my my biological father fought professionally and my stepdad did as well mm-hmm. um so it's been a part of my life since i can remember i don't remember right. fighting never being in in my life yeah um i i didn't really get into training until i was maybe 13 or 14 mm-hmm. and um at that point, I kind of knew that, you know, this is what I want to do. I would rearrange my living room and make it look like an octagon and, and <laughs> shadow box and um, just just visualize and, and think about it. And, um, yeah, you know, I, uh, I what, trained. What would you start out with? I started out with jujitsu and boxing. Okay. Um, my stepdad was a really good jujitsu guy, and uh, he taught at a local boxing gym and the way the schedule was set up, he would teach before boxing. Mm-hmm. So I would ride with him after school, do his jujitsu class and then stick around for boxing. As awesome. Well. Yeah. And that was, um, 13, 14. Right. Yeah. Where was it? 
It was in, um, I'm from the Quad Cities. Uh, okay. It's in the Midwest. Yeah. Davenport, Iowa is my hometown. Nice. Um, but the Quad Cities is half Iowa, half Illinois. We're right on the border. Um, oh. And this gym was in Moline, Illinois. Okay. So, yeah. We have a really good boxing program back home. Yeah. Um, you know, there are some world champions that came from our city and stuff. Right. So the culture's there, you know. Yeah. It was, it was cool. Um, I didn't get into Muay Thai until I was in my 20s. Uh-huh. Um, I had a couple teammates uh, who were talking about making a trip out to Thailand. And at that point in my life, I was kind of... Did you guys have Muay Thai at that gym or is it just basic no. kickboxing or just boxing? And- it was like um, just boxing and then there was jujitsu before it yeah but it wasn't very formal it was just right a whole lot of rolling you know um before i came here to norcal i can't really remember having too much like um you know time on the mat with black belts or anybody who's like you know really teaching yeah not until yeah. you got to norcal because i've seen i've done some diet i'd seen a bunch of your fights yeah and i was like that guy has no trouble on the ground <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I yeah. was always a jiu-jitsu guy um, up until I kind of made the transition into Muay Thai. My my goal was to um, to to use my jiu-jitsu to beat people and, and like prove that jiu-jitsu was number one. Uh-huh. Um, I liked jiu-jitsu tournaments, but I didn't like paying for them. So. You're, you're kind of the uh, Hoist Gracie of Iowa. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take it. I like that, you know. Um, but I just didn't like the idea of having to pay to compete. Right. I was young, and uh, so I was like, yeah, I'll fight, and you should use my jiu-jitsu. Nice. Um, yeah, and after I, st- I had my first fight when I was 19, um, after a few years of training, I ended up fighting a kid from my hometown and broke my hand real bad, and we became training partners after that. Nice. Um, and then him and his twin brother were in, you know, in conversation about having a, a, a trip to Thailand. Uh-huh. And, um, like I was saying, like, I was kind of in a point where I'm like looking into school or or maybe a different route in life. And, uh, they reached out and they said, Hey, we got this gym owner in Switzerland. He's, he plans a trip to Thailand every year. Um, and he kind of organizes it with international fighters, uh, reach out to him, you know, if you're interested. So I reached out, added him on Facebook. We, we started talking. He helped me get out to Thailand the first time I was in Chiang Mai um, which is in the north uh, northwest yeah. of Thailand. And um, I just completely fell in love with the culture and yeah. uh, the respect and, and the theatrics behind it. Um, growing up in the Midwest, it was MMA was huge. But it was more... Uh, it was more of like a bro sport. Like the you tap know, out right? the tap out vibe yeah, we were talking exactly. about. Yeah. Exactly. Little Pantera playing in the gym. <laughs> no Anya. <laughs> yeah. And that's just not not my vibe as yeah. much. You're you more know? of an Anya guy, aren't you? Much more of an Anya yeah. guy. <laughs> yeah. My man. Yep. You're one of us. <laughs> um so I, I didn't spend long there my first my first trip, maybe four weeks, and then I went to Switzerland um for a bit afterwards and got to train at at the gym there. Um coming back to Iowa I still fought in MMA a few times, but my interest just wasn't wasn't there. You know, I really wanted to dive deep into Muay Thai, and so yeah. I kind of just started doing research and planned a trip out out to Thailand. Um, I it seems like I hear that a lot that dudes that go to Thailand to study Muay Thai just like fall in love with 
Thailand mm-hmm. just disappear over and just there. end up staying there. Yeah. yeah, they don't come back. It's very hard to want to come back. Um, yeah. I the only reason I ended up coming back was to sort my visa out. I wanted to do it legally. Um, you know, which you can get around it. You know, I just didn't mm-hmm. know at the time. So um, I was there for a few months. I initially I went to a city called Nongkai. Um, it's very rural. There's not a lot of tourism there. And I had a friend that I'd met in Chiang Mai that was training there. I didn't know anybody in Thailand at this point. I went by myself this time. And uh, so I just went to his gym. Did you go there with a plan? I mean, you know you want to go over there to train, but did you have... So you didn't really have a gym picked out or a program or anything? No. You were just kind of... No, not quite. Like, That's awesome, man. I literally saved up enough money just for one month of living, but I was going to be there for a while because yeah. my mindset was... Um, if I put urgency on myself and put this pressure on myself to have to fight to get by, yeah, I'm gonna rise to the occasion. You know what I mean? And damn, um, that's awesome. It was just yeah. I wouldn't do it again. You know, it yeah. it, it wasn't very uh, it wasn't smart. You know, I was I was in a <laughs> weird situation, and it's just not it's not a safe thing to do yeah. to run out of money overseas. You know, but <laughs> it reminds me though of how they say that only like really hungry. Uh, kids are the the ones that end up making it in yeah. in fighting, and yeah. so you like artificially kind of impose that mm-hmm. upon yourself there, and it ended up giving you that that drive to to survive. Right. Yeah. And on that note, as you were describing that, I was like, this guy would have made a great punk musician. <laughs> <laughs> exact same yeah. mindset. Like, I don't. We'll figure it out when we get there. I don't I have no idea. I like to just dive in um, with anything I do. Um, I want authentic real experience and uh that's what i tried to give myself and it kind of backfired honestly like the first like i said i brought enough for the first month and um i just wasn't finding fights in Nongkai, and so i started teaching at a learning center and i was doing private tutoring for english Mm -hmm. um just to get by yeah right um i had one fight out there it paid really well it was on a holiday the day after christmas it's uh boxing day in thailand and um that's a that's a funny story that trip, but ultimately Noah um, from NorCal saw it, mm-hmm. and he reached out. He had a gym in Rawai, Phuket, down south, and uh, we just kind of started talking back and forth. And he was like, "Hey, you know, I'm I see you're American. I want to support fellow Americans in Thailand." Um, he's like, "What do you think about coming down here for a trip?" And at the time, I had like fifty dollars to my name. Yeah. I was like, "Dude, like, I can't afford Phuket. I can't afford the gym." Um, I didn't know what the deal was, you know, right. and he's like, okay, he broke it down for me. He's like, you come here, um, you train hard, you fight for us, and we will we will provide accommodation. You can live in my house. I'll I'll take care of training. I'll take care of food. So awesome. My basic needs were met, and um, it was it just came down to a decision. Like I didn't right. know Noah. I had just met him online. Yeah. Um, I'm not getting what I wanted out of Nongkai. I wasn't fighting as much. I didn't want to teach. I didn't go there to teach English, you know? Yeah. And um, so I spent literally like the last of my money on a plane ticket from up north to the island down south. And uh, I get there. I take take a little cab to uh, to the gym. It was dark out. Nobody's there. I'm like, oh, my God. Like, yeah. <laughs> what have I done? Panicking, you know. <laughs> and uh, I'm getting my bags out of the the trunk of the cab, and he pulls up with another fighter from Australia, and I'm like, oh, it's a huge relief, you yeah. know. And then I ended up living with him for a few months, fought every couple weeks. Um, tough, tough training, really good. Yeah. Coaches. So is and correct me if I'm wrong, but Muay Thai is a little different than how we experience like 
MMA fighters over here where fighters tend to fight like a lot, right? Or oh, in Thailand? Muay Thai, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's just so prevalent over there. Like th- their culture is a fighting culture. Yeah. It's, it's what they do. Everybody, you know, it's similar to like football or baseball here. Right. Um, everybody knows it and everyone knows the rules. And uh, on on the island that we were at specifically, there's maybe six or seven stadiums and they're doing fights almost every night, you know, so wow. you yeah. got your choice. Um, I didn't have any trouble finding fights there. Yeah. I remember doing, I was had to go back to San Francisco for about a year and it's happened to be next to a gym down there. And just the way the schedule worked out, I ended up just doing Muay Thai every single oh, awesome. day. But I'd meet some of these Thai fighters, mm-hmm. and they tell me what their record was. It's like, yeah, I'm like, uh, like 93 and 16 or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. Jesus. Holy. And that's the thing. Um, it's very common to see kids fighting professionally. Um, I The first gym I went to in Chiang Mai, we had a, a girl. She was maybe 13. Um, it was a smaller gym. There's usually more. Yeah. But this one girl was living there, and she was a uh, an orphan. You know, she was living at the gym, sending her fight money back home to her parents. You know, wow. and that's very common. You yeah. know, you see that um, parents will send their kids to a gym, and they the gym takes them in. They get them to school, everything. Wow. And the kids fight professionally and send like money. boarding school. Yeah, yeah. You know. And uh, so that's how Savages. they have, <laughs> yeah, that's how they get three or 400 fights because they're fighting professionally, no shin guards, no headgear from six years old, you know? Yeah. That can't be healthy. No. <laughs> None of this is healthy. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing we talk about on this podcast. Yeah. That's a very good, better. very good point. <laughs> yeah. That went out the window. Episode one. <laughs> yeah. Did, uh, did you follow Noah to Santa Rosa? then or how did you guys both end up here so it's that's interesting actually um essentially he was was talking about Cal- coming to california and starting a muay thai program since i was back in thailand with him you know it had been his goal and um you know he he's very good at networking and i don't know exactly how but he he met dave and dave happened to need a, a muay thai program yeah and it just just fit, you know, everything fell into place. Um, he called me with the opportunity, like, Hey, you know, let's run, let's run this. And, um, at the time I had a lot going on in my life back home. You know, I was in a relationship. Um, I just, I was kind of settled in back home, but this was what I needed to do. Like, this is what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I just kind of dropped everything and came here. And, um, that was last year. And, we were here for, I was here from like, I want to say up until November of last year and then, or 2021. Then I went home, I had to deal with some things. Um, and then eventually I was, I was good to come back, you know? So I remember when you guys, oh boy. That, okay. I, I guess I'll say this, but I ruffled some feathers at the gym mm-hmm. and cause someone had mentioned like, doing a lot of Muay Thai lately. I'm like, yeah. They're like, why? I was like, uh, you know what? I love both. I, you know, I like just Muay Thai just a little bit better and just awesome. Like my f- side of my face is yeah. warm. Like everyone's staring at me. <laughs> I said that out loud. <laughs> I'll take it. But I remember I like Muay Thai a little bit better than square dancing. Yeah. <laughs> Good save. Sorry. Then Enya. What do you think I was talking about? <laughs> They, um, 
but I remember that we had, there's always kind of some gaps at our academy mm-hmm. and the Muay Thai, you know, some guys would kind of come and, and, you know, temporarily and go. Mm-hmm. And I remember when you guys showed up, I remember like walking in the gym, all of a sudden, like, I felt like I was walking into like Thailand almost. <laughs> there's all these like Muay Thai guys hanging out. I was like, all of a sudden, like this, the whole thing became like super legit. It was, awesome. it was awesome. Because as you, Noah, for a while, he had that. Uh, what's it, Dylan? Is that his name? Dylan from Australia. Dylan from Australia. Uh, yeah. Reese was here. Yeah. That, that was just while I was here the first time. Right. Um, after I left, uh, we had Steve Cho and then um, Eric from Ireland. He came, mm-hmm. I believe. Um, and that's I. I don't know if that's been it or not. I don't. I don't know. You know yeah. Um, Dude, the first time I heard that guy Eric uh, from Ireland mm-hmm. speak. I thought he was Ukrainian <laughs> or Russian. It's weird. I've never then, met him. Yeah. Then someone said, no, he's from Ireland. And I was like, what? And then I heard him talk again. And I was like, oh, okay, I guess he is. <laughs> it was weird. This is the way his accent came across. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, that's, that's the beauty of going over there is you meet so many people. Right. Um, we've got a busy, busy summer planned, and I'm stoked for it. We got a lot of guys talk in the in the works um, awesome. about coming out. Really? Coming so, here? Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. Um, I can't I can't share too much yet, but um, yeah, it'll be a busy Stay tuned. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Nice, dude. Did did, uh, did Noah ever fight, or what's his story? So, Noah ran ran a gym. Um, he, he helped manage fighters. Um, I don't, I don't know. He exactly. seems to know what he's talking about. Yeah. He spent 10 yeah. years over there, you know, yeah. in, in, inside of gyms and stuff. He's the, the knowledge is, is it's there, you know? Um, uh-huh. I, I don't remember what, why he said he originally went out there. You know, I think he was just, just doing some traveling. And like you said, he, he fell in love with it Yeah, and ended up staying for like 10 years and, and got into working with gyms and, um, you know, that's just how it, how it unraveled. Yeah. I will get him on and ask him. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> he's on the list. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure he's got some, some stories. So are you, what, what, what are your thoughts on fighting again? Cause I, I remember talking to you last year mm-hmm. and you're like, yeah, I think I'm like kind of retired. And then I, I'm like, how old are you? You're 26. I'm like, Jeez, <laughs> number one, boy, do I feel old. <laughs> I was like, wait, 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 what, a, what a testament to how just like physically grueling that lifestyle is. If, you know, if at that age, you're like, I, just, I don't know my body. It's yeah. like, it's up to the challenge sometimes. You were saying that the, it wasn't so much as the fights, but the fight camps were just mm-hmm. so rough on you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I just have a tendency to just overtrain. I don't, I don't. If I train, I'm I'm training hard. I don't listen to my body. I, I try, I've noticed that, <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, and and I just wasn't smart about it. That's why I'm so on all of our students about stretching and right. listening to your body. Having days where you kind of go a little bit lighter um, and just it doesn't have to be redlined every time yeah. because I'm 28 now and like I'm I'm in pain. You know, like my body's messed up. I'm always hurt. Yeah, it's a. I mean, I'm still trying to learn that lesson myself, and I'm 44. It's 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 like, a long learning curve, man. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, it seemed to me like. Uh, well, correct me. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but when you're after that last fight that you took in Mexico, mm-hmm. um, were you considering? I'll ask it this way: Were you considering not fighting anymore before that fight came up, or was did that fight have something to do with you kind of deciding that you were done? So honestly, like. It, it comes in waves, man. Sometimes mm-hmm. I'm like really feeling it. Um, like right now, I'm I want to fight. I do. Um, 
it's it's a struggle it's got to never go away right i mean those oh, old no. bastards like when like uh george foreman and mm-hmm. who did he fight recently they're both not recently but they're both like like way too old to be yeah. fighting it was just kind of sad like yeah yeah but obviously that that need to fight never goes away yeah yeah and and for me it's always just been the reason behind why i fight it has changed a few times um currently i i just want to do it for myself i just want to test myself and yeah. there's so much that i have yet to prove to myself as far as fighting goes um and i i just i'm not satisfied yet right um as far as like making a career out of it i used to want to be a, a world champion i used to want to you know my heights or my my views were as high as possible my goals were were up there um but i just never was able to get into a gym and and like i just didn't f- put enough focus into like having a stable training environment right you know so it's always been up and down and um you know so now i feel like if i fight it's just for experience just for myself yeah but i want to put more energy and focus into building the next generation and the next generation and nice giving them opportunities that i didn't have right um I, I trained by myself for a lot of fights, you know, um, in a garage. It's, you know, you do what you have to do. Um, but I just want to take the lessons that I learned and be able to do something with them for, for you know, future fighters and stuff. You know, that's my goal now. Yeah. Um, there's, a, there's a show in Tulum, Mexico in April. I'm kind of flirting with the idea of getting back on. Um. It's, it's is it uh, full MMA or just Muay Thai? Just Muay Thai. Just Muay Thai. Yeah. I would like to do MMA again, but for me, it's so hard to balance training jujitsu, training striking, teaching striking. Yeah. Working. I work a full time job now, um, so it's just it's it's a lot to try and balance. But Muay Thai, I can still get my own training in during class, if that makes right. sense. Mm-hmm. You know, it's less to focus on. It's it's one art compared to you know yeah like all the mix arts. yeah yeah so i think muay thai is much more realistic for me at this mm. point in my life yeah nice man yeah well cool dude uh we should take a trip to tulum i think we are if that happens yeah yeah i'm down i'm oh, yeah. on a good show for you guys yeah yeah we'll corner you yeah absolutely <laughs> let's do it <laughs> Stop getting hit. (laughs) Duck. You got it. I'll call the promoter right now. Yeah. I don't know if we have much to offer, uh, in terms of, uh, fight knowledge, Mm -hmm. but we definitely, uh, can bring some conspiracy theory (laughs) analysis, maybe distraction, uh, for the opponent. Yeah, we're, we would name all the um, different combos that we work after different false flag events. There we go. We will do yeah, some, yeah, we go. Uh, some deep dive. Power seven! <laughs> <laughs> They'll never see it coming. There we go. Yeah. We'll do some deep dive on your opponent, find out some dirt on him, get him, uh, get the media going after him. There we, we go. go. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's what I Give him some need. sleepless nights before he fights you. <laughs> I like it. Unorthodox approach. Absolutely. <laughs> Do you, uh, are you, so you were talking about the next generation mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, in, that happened to Dave, I think that, uh, in watching that, and I only know this from watching that documentary that came out recently. Have uh, you seen that? Yeah, I did. I oh, did watch it. Yeah, Descent? It no. D- uh, something like that. Descent of a fighter or something. Yeah. Like that, which mm-hmm. is very 
poorly titled. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah a, I thought. Yeah. Because when I first saw the title, I was like, I, I'm not watching this. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly <laughs> what I thought. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then you watch yeah, it. Like, it seemed like it was going to, like, just be, like, a, a, sl- a slam piece. Right. Him. And you yeah. watch it, and it's done really well, and it has this awesome ending, you know, yeah. about how he, you know, someone, uh, try not to drop names, but someone pulls him aside and says, like, look, you can train this much and, you know, wreck your body, as you're saying, and, mm-hmm. you know, come out with a fight and, and, and 10 grand, and then you got to pay your, you know, coaches and all this stuff. He's like, mm-hmm. or you can open an academy pulling like 40 grand a month right right and it has this montage of like him showing all these like the next generation and everything and yeah it's like super it's like a great story i like so well why, I, why they titled it that yeah, it's, yeah it's so convenient. Yeah. No, you could have had the opposite title ascent would have been right yeah that, more appropriate that's, that's more yeah yeah absolutely um guy that was smart with his money and body <laughs> and you know <laughs> fell in love with his own family right you know, most of the time when I have conversations with him, it's about um, family mm-hmm. stuff, right? And it's not so much about fighting. Mm-hmm. And I was going to ask you if that was, is a family something that you eventually want to have? Um, Raise little little fighters? I don't know, man. Like, right now, um, I'm just trying so to... We have a couple of potential contestants that we're going to... We're surprised yeah. here. They're going to come <laughs> in. Oh, whoa. Okay. Hey, bring them in. <laughs> um, Honestly, right now I'm just I'm just trying to focus on getting my life together. I kind of I'm just restarting out here. Um, yeah. You know, I'm very content with with helping the the kids classes out and stuff. And yeah. That's that's like enough for me right now. Yeah. Um, but maybe in the future when I'm a little more stable and I could be a, a better father. You, you gotta know be I mean? careful, man. You're helping those kids and you got all those moms sitting there on the bleachers. Like, yeah. he's so nice. He's yeah. so good with little Timmy. <laughs> oh, tell me about it. <laughs> <laughs> you got to deal with a lot of uh, parents? Um, from time to time. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Mom heat, we call it. A little bit, a little bit, you know. It's not too bad though. I, I manage. So um, I'm, I'm curious... This is always something I'm interested in, and especially within like the context of training and stuff. Like, what was your experience with the whole COVID thing and the lockdowns? And I mean, because in theory, that should include all gyms too. Mm-hmm. And you know, people you have to train with other people and all this stuff. So, yeah, what was your kind of experience to that whole? Um, so, so honestly, during the first part of COVID, fake pandemic. I, yeah, the fake pandemic. Um, during the first part of that, I was growing weed in the mountains i was oh, nice. i was living far away from everybody so i hope um, you're wearing a mask <laughs> I, I had a couple you know just in case didn't want to infect any deer um, <laughs> as a hunter i appreciate that yeah <laughs> but um and then afterwards i went back to iowa um and i just i had a I had a friend that i started a little gym with and uh, we so this was right before pretty kind of well fuck it was what two years long i remember you guys came out over here kind of right after like kind of in the middle of it right yeah was it yeah okay so right when things were opening up that's kind of when we came here i think it was april of 2021 yeah Mm -hmm. yeah to teach um yeah so i uh, during the start of covid like 2020 i had um went in with a friend and we opened a small gym Mm -hmm. back home and um so let me ask you this like i I don't want to derail your story because um I had no idea that you used to grow weed in the mountains. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, what I'm interested in the the psychology of like how people's reactions differed mm-hmm. within the terms of COVID yeah. and the, this whole pandemic thing. Because what's interesting to me is that now we have the gift of hindsight that everyone that 
most people were listening to were fucking lying mm-hmm. or, yeah. or completely yeah. full of shit. And it's what's the most interesting component of that kind of phenomenon is, is like me, why is it that me and my friends like second day into mm-hmm. the pandemic, we're like, this is bullshit. Mass are bullshit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like these lockdowns are yeah. bullshit. Like we're not buying into any of this. Yeah. Yeah. And like, it's not, we didn't get together and have a meeting and decide this or like we didn't, we certainly didn't see that on a TV program. Mm-hmm. You know, like here's another view of it. It's just, I'm interested in like people's individual psychologies and like how that differs from person to person and how like mm-hmm. you meet someone that <clears throat> was in a completely different part of the world, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Or at least the country at that, at that point. And like, why is it that some of us just came to this exact same conclusion without right. com- communicating to each other or there wasn't like, well, according to my religion, this, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? It's like yeah. completely independent kind of a free thought experiment that I yeah. thought was really interesting. I, yeah. That's an interesting point about how people from different places with no contact yeah. form a similar idea. Um, yeah. Who's to say what, what the reason is behind yeah. that. But I, I had a very similar outlook from the start. I just had my own conspiracies about it, you know, and my own ideas. Um, it seemed like they were trying to keep people inside, shut down small businesses, right. you know, and create a little bit larger gap. Um, you know, I don't know. I, I just kind of yeah. s- just kept my mind away from it. Um, and, and to be honest, my mind doesn't really stray too far from training. Um <laughs> Yeah, I just I uh even at home I'm I'm watching fights and and everything. So yeah. ultimately for me it became okay, how am I going to train? You know, that's yeah. the only thing I was really focused on. Well, I had an interesting <clears throat> conversation yesterday with one of our fighters actually, and we were talking about what we're talking about right now. Mm. And he was talking about um how grateful he was for our academy mm-hmm. and that we have this place where we can all get together and like how important it was during you know, when all this nonsense was going on mm-hmm. and he, um, trying not to give up too many details here because I don't want to get anyone in mm-hmm. trouble, but I said, I'm like, I think, well, personally, I think that has a lot to do because it's a certain kind of personality that is going to go into a place like that. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I and mean, it's, so you got to admit it's, it, it's going to be intimidating to the majority. Of, of course. People, yeah. Right? Yeah. And then to go in there and train. So you're kind of like already, you have eliminated, you know, X percentage of the population just, mm-hmm. you know, as a, as a personality. Stepping through the door. Yeah. I said, like, I think that had a lot to do because there was a similar kind of theme of, like, a, of the way that people think in there, especially within the context of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, a lot of it was, you know, we weren't, you know, Kelly and I weren't, like, getting together and, like, crunching, going through medical data about right. virus, right. you know what I mean? But it's just, like, there's all this, we call it the walk out the front door test. I was like, well, there's some, like, kind of fairly, like, simple things that you can kind of, there's some simple math you can do. So, like, one is if I'm out here in the world and you're saying that I have to have a mask on and I have to stand on this stupid fucking red dot in the grocery store and my kid can't be in school and yeah. and you can't go to the skate park and we're going to fucking put boards over the basketball hoops in the park and fucking put yellow caution tape around the merry-go-round. Mm-hmm. But I just came from a spot where I was literally rolling around in someone else's sweat for an hour right, and a half. Right, yeah. I was like, something's not, someone's wrong. One of these situations is wrong. And it's like, I, you know, in said sweaty box with everyone rolling around on each other, it's like, no one here is sick and no one ever got sick and right. it doesn't, no one has been sick. So mm-hmm. it's like, 
yet I walk outside, everyone's telling me, like, do there's like bodies in the street. You're like, I no, I don't, I'm not buying it. I think um, a lot of it, and this is just my mind, you know, maybe, you know, conjuring up some, some reasoning behind it is um, maybe they were like trying to test controlling people through fear you know what i mean and the, that's that's that sounds kind of basically obvious. you just summed up our podcast yeah yeah <laughs> yeah um i don't think it was ever as serious obviously you know as yeah. what what it was portrayed and isn't it interesting though that everyone in our gym had that exact same yeah. reasoning mm -hmm. yeah and what are the things that the psychopaths in the corporate media demonize mm -hmm. you know what do you what do you hear about a lot as being signs of toxic masculinity, working out, mm -hmm. yeah, you know, training, doing we, all we, the stuff that we were just going through some articles a couple of weeks back that it was, uh, now they're talking about exercising is a form of political extremism, mm -hmm. like being concerned about physical fitness. Oh, wow. They said M MMA is like the epitome of mm -hmm. that, of like, you know, potential like domestic terrorism like the white supremacy oh, wow. basically yeah insane. wow yeah it, i'm at the point now though it's like i used to get in my mind i'd have like these wars like i, I can't believe these people but now it's like they've gotten so outlandish and so over their skis with their narratives that it's yeah. just like funny as it's like, oh, right. like the best thing you can do to a stupid person like just keep talking dude yeah yeah <laughs> i'm just gonna listen just yeah. give them yeah, yeah. just Everything you think of, just let it come out of your mouth. <laughs> it's enjoy. a sign that we're winning this, whatever this, you know, perceived fight is. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we didn't know there was a fight in the first place. They're the ones that have this fight going on. Right. And so they've defined the terms of the fight. It turns out we're winning. Right. And every time you turn on the news. By they not really doing anything. They tell you that they're winning. And then they, they can't back that up with anything but the most ridiculous claims. Like that uh, Joy Reid clip that we did where she was saying that the left has won the, the culture war. <laughs> you know, it was just so mm -hmm. silly. Yeah. And so you can't help but hear the, these idiots talk about that stuff and just know that they're, that they're, they're wrong, they're lying, they're, they're just making up their, their stories. And it's, it's funny it's, at this point. Mm -hmm. It's really hard for someone to take the wrong way when they ask you, like, where do you guys get the content for your podcast? Like, we get a lot of stuff from The View, to be honest. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's like, I'm definitely not listening to your podcast. Yeah. Like, nah, it's not how it sounds. <laughs> no, I think that's right, though, you know. It's, it's uh, yeah, that's weird. I don't know. There seems to be just telling people you know, you know, training that you're into it or whatever. And you talk about, it's weird how some of these things that we always saw that, you know, we came up, you know, in, in different situations, but we all kind of came to the same spot by similar journey journeys. I'm guessing is that like, uh, you know, I, I want, like, you want to stay in shape. I want my cardio to be up. Uh, physical fitness is yeah. like Im important to me. It's like, as like a value. And like, and that's some of that stuff has become like a pejorative, which has been yeah. really interesting to me. Like it's, it's bizarre. It's because, uh, people taking charge of their own lives as a threat to a government mm -hmm. that wants to have the people rely on them for all of their mm -hmm. sustenance. Yeah, absolutely. All their happiness, mm -hmm. yeah. everything. The government needs people to rely on them. So if you're self-reliant mm -hmm. and what's more self-reliant than, you know, teaching yourself how to fight or teaching yourself to be um, healthy. Mm -hmm. I mean, healthy people don't need healthcare. Mm -hmm. Right. They don't need um, government assistance. Yeah, exactly. They're, they're independent mm -hmm. just by definition. So that is a threat. Exactly. Yeah. It's a, it's a form of control is keeping people under your thumb. You know what I mean? By 
just leaving them content with the bare minimum, making them feel like they're taken care of. Um, they just don't really rely on themselves anymore at that point. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and I think it's, it's interesting that they're kind of, it seems from what you guys have been saying, they're like putting a real negative connotation on like working out or anything like you said that right. establishes individualism and, and like being able to take care of yourself. Um, yeah. If, you know. if like the second amendment is so villainized, <laughs> if anything you hit on a term and that's the, the notion of individualism, mm -hmm. which I think most of it comes down to mm -hmm. is being it's individualism, you know, slash self sustainability Yes, yeah. is people see that as a problem. And I think we, a theme that's through this entire podcast is the, the, the notion of the individual, the statist and mm -hmm. the collectivist. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's just like, we talk about, it's not a left versus right thing. It's definitely not a Democrat versus Republican yeah. thing. I mean, they're all, they're all the same people, mm -hmm. like, yeah, all politics. I don't want to get like sidetracked, <laughs> but it's, if we really boil it down to like what these, you know, what the, the divide is, it's the, it's, it's the difference between the individualist and the collectivist. Mm -hmm. And the, what the, the, there's an irony between those two ideologies that we've talked about quite a bit is that the individualists are always kind of on their heels a, a bit, which mm -hmm. is interesting because they're the ones that are training to fight and have guns. Yeah, <laughs> which yeah. It's kind of, kind of funny. But we, you know, if you're more of a liberty-based kind of mindset, you're going like, I don't care what you guys do. Like, just, I'm not part of it. Mm -hmm. You know, just me, you know, I got my own thing going and maybe I have this small kind of community. It could be at the gym or, you know, people you like to shoot with or maybe a farming collective, like whatever it is. And the difference between the individualist and the collectivist ideology is the collectivists are saying like, no, we need you guys to do what we're doing mm -hmm. because if everyone's not on board with the collectivist ideology, it fucking falls apart. Yeah. It's like, it, and that's the, which is a perverted way to think mm -hmm. in, in, in my mind, in my mm -hmm. opinion. So it's probably easier to control a herd than it is, you know, a bunch of individuals. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And you think about it in terms of our gym, it's like, all we want to do during COVID was just train, yeah. get together and roll. And we had to do it kind of in secret. And, mm -hmm. um, and I had disease I, is such a perfect weapon to use against people because right. you can just say, well, that's fine for you guys, but what if you go and infect, you catch something from someone in the gym and then you go infect yeah. someone somewhere else with this mysterious kind of yeah. thing that it's like, you know, you are not you anymore. You're not right. your own. You don't own yourself. We own you because you could infect somebody else out in yeah. public. Yeah. I, it's I, a perfect weapon against people. Yeah, and I'm in agreement with you, Ryan, is that, which is kind of funny because we've never talked about this before, but I was like, this is absolutely being done intentionally. Yeah. It's basically, it's a social experiment. And what's the most terrifying thing is that, you know, we've got into on previous episodes is like, that was the fucking dry run. Mm -hmm. And it right. went off shockingly well. Mm -hmm. And, you know, because we talked about the, the, the most terrifying component of that. It wasn't, it wasn't the virus. It wasn't your bullshit authoritarian jackboots, you know, closing down beaches and mm -hmm. making your kids not go to school. The most terrifying aspect of that entire fucking pandemic was that the people enforcing it on their neighbors and their yeah. friends and each other. And I had, you know, people find out that I was training or whatever, mm -hmm. or that I didn't get the vax and I wasn't going to wear a mask mm -hmm. and I was having bar, you know, cause nothing <laughs> changed. We watched it from the sidelines. I was like, yeah. I'm not missing work. We're still having barbecues every weekend. Mm -hmm. Like we're still going to train. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I'm just ignoring this whole thing. And I had people that I'm not friends with to this day mm -hmm. yeah. say like, I can't believe you're doing that. It's like, I'm not trying to talk you into coming and training in our gym. Right. I'm just right. telling you, this is what I'm doing. Yeah. If you're uncomfortable with it then just 
stay the fuck out of my house. Right, <laughs> exactly. And it's, 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 it's amazing to me like how that was so problematic for people mm-hmm. to wrap their heads around. Yeah. Still is to this day. Yeah, yeah. It's, um, it's strange how it caused a lot of um, just separation. And it's yeah. interesting to see how willing people were to just follow directions. Yeah. You know what I mean? Without question. Well, that's yeah. the psychology of the statist. They're just mm-hmm. like, we talk about like, people like to wrinkle their nose at the notion of like religion, for mm-hmm. example. I was like, everyone has that same innate capacity in their mind mm-hmm. or in their soul for something bigger than right. themselves. Right. I hope you do. Otherwise you're an egocentric asshole. <laughs> but some people just fill that with the state, mm-hmm. like, you know, the political overlords, the political elites, like yeah. Ga- Gavin Newsom, tell me what to do. Exactly. You know, while yeah. you dine out of the French laundry, mm-hmm. like stay in my house. Okay. Got it. I'll start barking at my neighbor. I think it's a lot easier to just follow directions for some people than yeah. to think for themselves, you right. know, but. Right. I and mean, we've talked about it before that, you know, we're all basically hunter gatherers that are thrown into this modern uh, way of life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, our brains, our bodies haven't evolved mm-hmm. to even stuff like to eat like wheat right. or this, you know, or to, to eat farmed food. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a new thing for us. And uh, in the, in the hunter gatherer <clears throat> tribes, um, not everybody can be the chief. Right. Yeah. You need yeah. Indians mm-hmm. too. So being a follower isn't necessarily a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Problem is that that, I think that gets hijacked for nefarious mm-hmm. purposes. And it's easy to hijack when you use all this modern technology. Like we talked about when the TV came into existence, like all of a sudden the amount of the, the size of government grew mm-hmm. because the people in power were able to manipulate people to be like, yeah, we'd need more of this thing that the TV is telling us that yeah. we need. Yeah. And then social media comes along and it just fucking just skyrockets. Mm. That, that ability to manipulate people is just out of control. Yeah. Yeah. It's a bigger platform, you know? Yeah. And more like just kind of in your brain in a way, like mm. your TV sits in your living room, but your phone is, you know, we all have them right here. It's very personal. Us, yeah, yeah. You it's know, close and personal. Yeah, we, we, and it's it's personal too. Like, do you remember having an answering machine? Are you young, I, old I, enough to have had an answering machine in your house? Yeah, yeah. So it used to be that everyone in the house knew who was calling everyone else in the house mm-hmm. because they would leave a message, or you would answer the phone. In my house, we had to say when we answered, we'd say Cowan Residence. Mm-hmm. We weren't allowed to just say hello. Mm-hmm. If my dad heard me say hello he'd be like what the fuck like mm-hmm. we don't answer the phone that way in this house son <laughs> and then uh you would hear the messages and everyone knew and now that you have the phone the phone is personal mm-hmm. no one knows who's calling you all of your interaction is very private mm-hmm. it's it's interesting it is interesting it's, yeah that's changed i thought what was interesting that the you know and again i'm always interested in and like looking into like the psychology of like why things like what's that what's that person how's their brain work like how do they come to that conclusion mm. and we had talked about you know in a couple episodes that I think this 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 constant bombardment of fear porn like in the media mm. and then the social anxiety being caused by social media yeah and you know like we talked about like one one kind of idea behind that is you know especially if you're young like we grew up social media kind of plopped into the middle of our lives. Mm-hmm. So it's like we had life before social media, we had life after. And it's just like, so I have this kind of base mm-hmm. of like, it's, I know this is not reality. Yeah. You know what I mean? Cause that's, I spent half my life like this, yeah, this, this didn't exist. So that, you know, life didn't start, you know, when 
Friendster came to fruition. Right, I've right. probably just marked my age. <laughs> <laughs> Friendster. Wow. But I think, have you heard of that? I have. Uh, yeah, that's amazing. I haven't heard that in a long time. <laughs> I think if you're younger, though, and you don't have that kind of a uh, little more of a legitimate base for things being more organic and, you know, mm-hmm. in your face kind of uh, based, is that anxiety gets ratcheted up by social media. Mm-hmm. And I've always thought that like, I think for younger people, cause you, if you're young, you're in a, a little more unsure yourself and you might be right. a little kind of insecure and you're trying to follow your path and you're looking at, you know, idealized versions of everyone's life, this romanticized exactly. yeah. version of life. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, I mean, I'm hard pressed to think, I mean, well, the data is out there, the rates of anxiety and depression and, mm-hmm. and even suicide in young people is just skyrocketing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, with in perfect kind of synchrony with the prevalence of social media right. and, and technology. And so it create it fosters this depression in people, mm-hmm. you know, they're looking at it like, why is my life probably not this sweet? It's just but, constant comparing, you know yeah. what I mean? And mm-hmm. thinking about what I don't have. And of course you're going to be depressed if you're, you know, thinking you're missing out all the time, yeah. you know, it's, it's unhealthy. Yeah. It's, it's, it's the devil. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it is, it's the worst thing, especially yeah. if you're a kid. There's something to be said, yeah. And kids don't have a – if you're given social media at a young age, you have no defense mm-hmm. against no. it. Yeah. But our parents were not given social media at a young age, Mm-mm. and a lot of them are, like, super wrapped up in it yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. as well. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny to see boomers, like, take, <laughs> yeah. take to yeah. Facebook. It's hilarious. Yeah, it's awesome. My grandma's always on there. It's 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 an interesting idea, you know. They, um, I think about all that anxiety and depression, and I think about how something, the most significant event in my lifetime was the COVID pandemic. Mm-hmm. Uh, before that, it was probably like 9-11. I remember that happening. You see the Challenger exploding? The Challenger. I don't think I was, oh, yeah. Don't remember, no? <laughs> no. <laughs> okay, I'll tell you about it later. <laughs> um, is there are some really interesting kind of psychological studies about just the way that COVID broke people's brains. Like mm-hmm. it just tweaked them and you saw, you, and you're trying to make sense of this irrational behavior. Mm-hmm. So when you're on the sidelines, as people like us are, we're like, I'm just kind of watching this. You know, I'm not telling anyone what to do. I might not even have any opinions on this, mm-hmm. but I'm not buying into it. And I'm yeah, gonna do my, yeah. we're going to train, we're going to work. I'm going to grow weed in the mountains, <laughs> you know, whatever. <laughs> and you, you know, cruising to town and you see someone, you know, people walking with a mask outside and a mask alone in their car mm-hmm. and screaming at you because they find out you didn't inject yourself with experimental gene therapy. Right, you right. I mean? like, and you go like, okay, there's something from someone on the outside because I'm not in this party. Mm-hmm. Like, you guys are doing this thing on your own. Like, I'm not part of it. Yeah. You watch it and you go like, the fuck is going on here? Mm-hmm. Like, what? This is irrational behavior. This is not how normal people behave. Not at all, no. Yeah, um, and so he... The, this guy, his name is Matthias Desmond, who proposed this notion that we have just as natural human beings have all this free-floating anxiety mm-hmm. in our population. And then that gets ratcheted up. I mean, I'm hard-pressed to think of an argument against that our society and our culture has become profoundly more mentally unstable and sick. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, just... And go back to the uh, the, the idea, the free-floating anxiety, because mm-hmm. um, I need a refresher. Right. Um, what does he say about that, that it's it's something that's there because we are replacing, we don't actually have to worry about lions on the 
on the planes. That and- wasn't Matthias Desmet. That okay. was uh, Sebastian Junger, I think. Oh, okay. Yeah, in Tribe, right? Like you talked about. But what about um, what Matthias Desmet had said is that we already as a natural phenomenon because, as Kelly was mentioning earlier, it's like we, you know, human beings for whatever, how many thousands of years or whatever. We're more or less the same. Mm-hmm. And then you see the, the institution of psych, of uh, technology and just like, just skyrockets mm-hmm. this insane like graph or like all of a sudden our caveman lizard brain is like adapting to things changing at such a rapid rate yeah. and is yeah. producing kind of a, you know, this weird anxiety. And then you get something like social, social media, it gets ratcheted through the roof. Mm-hmm. So naturally we already have this free floating anxiety floating around. And what he proposed is when you see this bizarre, you know, irrational behavior as it pertains to the COVID, when you institute something like you disrupt people's life with like this spike of fear, mm-hmm. which was already kind of bubbling underneath the circus, yeah. sur- surface rather, or circus. Mm-hmm. Right, you can slip scary. there. <laughs> Maybe hate clowns. Circus is terrifying. <laughs> is um, they need something. They need, they need a locus of control in their lives. Mm-hmm. And that's what the it's ritualistic behavior. So it's mm-hmm. like, if I'm wearing the mask, I have a visual representation that I still have my hands on the wheel of life. Even though right, I mean, right. I'm emotionally completely falling apart inside. Mm-hmm. I'm just racked with anxiety and fear and depression mm-hmm. or whatever. This COVID thing has made it worse. And so I need to signal to the rest of the tribe that I'm with you. And so it's a visual re- yeah. representa- representation of obedience. Mm-hmm. So wear the mask. <coughs> I need to see my neighbor wearing the mask. Like mm-hmm. I got the vax. You got the vax, right? Right, and right. So then you'd have like random people walking up. I'd have random people. I'd walk the store like, get your shot yet? Like, Fuck off. Right. That yeah, was like yeah. your fucking business. Mm. You've been to the dentist lately? But how fucking weird. That's a weirder question, would you say? Mm. Like, you think people that uh, are still wearing masks around town, um, when uh, they like pass each other, they give each other like the silent kind of like <laughs> nod, like, yep. It's like, we know. It's like the burned, right, out hippie, right. burned out hippie scene. And another guy with tie dye, like, huh? Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> Keep it up, brother. <laughs> Yeah, it baffles me to still see people, especially in their cars alone, wearing a mask. I, it's uh, so, it's a, it's well, what it is, it has nothing to do. And this I is, don't, I can't get is, used to it. It's still, it's so stupid. It's been stupid since day one. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone knows it's stu- even people that wear masks know it's stupid. Right. And you still keep seeing it, and it still just fucking baffles me. Yeah. Well, this yeah. is ironic because this, you know, if we're gonna run a stereotype, this comes from the follow the science crowd. Mm. And it's like, uh, you explain to me the science of this. And you go, there is no science. They're not worried about COVID. Mm-hmm. They're not worried about it. It's a political statement. Exactly. It's, uh, they're making a virtue signal. Mm-hmm. They're signaling to the rest of the tribe. That I think that's half. The other half are friends that I lost that decided to bark at me for not wearing a mask. Mm-hmm. And they were fucking wrong. Right. Right. Now that, I yep. mean, that's science is settled it came out in your fucking beloved new york times yeah this is a shithole of fucking information mm-hmm. and it said like yeah we were there there's no evidence supporting that masks ever work well, and, and so these people are like they how just, could it I mean, like yeah right the journal unless you're wearing like a fucking soviet gas right. mask yeah, with a yeah. canister yeah. on it mm-hmm. or a respirator at least then yeah how could it so right. i think i think air is blowing out the side of your mask see your nostril like it's yeah just, well so that's so that's the math we did in the very beginning because i've had conversations with people and i'm like look we were fucking right mm-hmm. and they say like well you weren't right you were lucky i was like no we were fucking right because <laughs> i'm not a doctor you're 
You are a doctor? I was. Not? Okay. I used to be. You're a yeah. contractor now. Yep. Okay. Change careers. You're not. Okay. So. No. Okay. So we got one doctor here. Well, I used to be. <laughs> so we said that, I was like, there's, it, it doesn't come down to someone being a genius. It comes down to lay out the facts. What are the facts? Mm-hmm. And, and in the very beginning, very beginning, like, let's say, because everyone says like, well, they didn't, they didn't have the information back then. I'm like, we didn't have the information either. And we somehow got everything right. No, we had so, logic. So what I say is like... Yeah, it's common sense. Yeah, so yeah. they... Well, how do you know? I'm like, it's the walk out the front door test. It's mm-hmm. very, very common sense. It's like, is this virus so deadly you have to wear a mask? Yes. Okay. Can I just loosely tie a bandana around my face? Like, sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Therefore, the masks don't work. Right. This virus is not that fucking deadly. Yeah, it's just... It's, it's, it's obedience it's subjugation it's mm-hmm. control it's getting people to bend the knee mm-hmm. exactly that's what it all came down to yeah how and other than that i don't really have any thoughts about it this. goes to that's that idea of self-reliance too like if you are relying on yourself to do very simple math or also known as logic um then you're a threat mm-hmm. and so that has to be demonized exactly yeah, you're, yeah. Go, you're going against the herd you're yeah. going against the collect and collectivism people like the collectivism only works if every single person is on board mm-hmm. that's why if you got that 10 percent going like eh, i got some questions here is you fucking asshole mm-hmm. like you're a bad person you're yeah. grandma killer you know white supremacist domestic extremist everything it's ridiculous and you hit the nail on the head when you said uh it was it was more about it's no longer about you it's about what your choice is affecting other people with, with not wearing a mask and yeah. how they kind of brought that guilt trip onto people, you know, and made right. them out to be some asshole, you know, if they didn't yeah. comply. Yeah. I had that. I, I had people I thought were friends. Yeah. Likewise. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I said, all right, fair enough, man. Ryan, what percentage do you think of uh, fighters or people who train got vaccinated? Um, willingly, probably not many. You know, I couldn't see many... Meaning, like, they would have done it for their job. Yeah, they, yeah. Um, or to travel to fight or, or whatever the reason may be, but... Mm, yeah, I didn't think about that. Yeah, I don't I don't see... Uh, I don't I don't know. You know, who's to say, though? Fighting attracts people from all, all different walks of life and different mindsets, so... What do you think about in our gym? Probably not many. I don't see many. What do you think, Matt? You know? uh, definitely much lower. So... To kind of dovetail into something you said, Ryan. Feel free to name names too. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Let's go with who we know for sure. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's going to have heart problems in the next few years. <laughs> well, no, you get hit square in the chest a lot. Well, I uh, think, uh, I, a, <laughs> yeah, it's um, it's interesting as a conversation in um, looking at a, basically a self-selecting population mm-hmm. for and and how it pertains to you know said behavior. And we're talking about who take the vax. It's like, I think it's, it has a lot to do with also like, what was that? What was that person's um, kind of perspective and behavior during mm-hmm. the COVID pandemic? Yeah. Especially as it pertains to the beginning when we didn't have any information is already from said population. You're talking about people that are okay with walking into, I mean, let's face it, going into an MMA jam and the bulk of people are like, we're going to have a simulated death match yeah. you know, on yeah. Tuesday night and then we're going <laughs> to shake hands. I'm going to go home. I'll, I'll see you back again tomorrow. Right. <laughs> it's, you know, there's not a lot of people are going to be into that. But what I'm getting at is you are looking at the relationship of what's your relationship with risk. Mm-hmm. And so you have a lot of people, you know, probably 
you know, well, the three of us, you know, and all of our friends, like with most of my friends are from the academy. Mm -hmm. That's why my social circle is like, I I don't care about this virus. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Like day one, day two of it. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't know. Is it, you know, even have guys like, I don't even think it exists. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I, yeah, I never bought into it too much. Um, but I had a few really close friends that I wouldn't expect buy into it and bought into it. Um, and it's, it's interesting the division that that causes, like you said, you've lost friends and I have two, you know, and it's, um, it's just, it's interesting how the division occurs. That's, that's what I was, um, thought was really interesting and significant about it i guess i think it also you know as far as trying to again try to dissect the psychology is that i think they we have a lot of kind of wayward souls in our culture mm-hmm. uh, people that just are insecure with their place or their path and not really sure where they're going mm-hmm. and i feel that it kind of having this inordinate goal or this inordinate you know this larger than life uh situation that we had to come together with is it gave i think it gave people this kind of like potomkin village like mm-hmm. purpose in their life where it's just like yeah i have this thing that i can concentrate on like right. and i have a i'm immediately accepted into this community now because i got the mask on and mm-hmm. you know we can look at each other and like okay we're all yelling at these people you know right. they're not wearing the mask you know mm. for example so we're all in this I, together yeah i think it gave people kind of a, a false sense of purpose which is just fucking really really sad yeah oh yeah 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 i think that the um yeah just going back to the gym thing it's really what if you commit and pay money to go to our gym you're committing to doing something that's really really difficult Mm-hmm. I don't think it's the danger as much that uh, that selects for the gym because it is a simulated death match, mm-hmm. but it's actually very very safe. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. But you're as far as stepping in on day one by what I meant. It's like you you have a certain relationship with the concept of risk because if you tell people, you know, think of all the people not in your life now because most of them are from the gym now. <laughs> But of like walking out and like I'm gonna ask twenty people like, hey, do you wanna you wanna give Muay Thai a try? Like we're gonna do some light sparring. Like, no, no, right. absolutely not. Mm-hmm. And you could go like, and it is right, safe. But it, it is safe. We know how to do it. Where we're not, you know, you, you never want like injure someone. And right. you, know, you have an agreement with someone. It's like we're doing this for it's a mutual benefit. Well, and jujitsu is probably even safer. Yeah. You oh have yeah. No chance of getting you have very little chance of getting kicked in the head. I mean, it does happen in jujitsu, but mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. So. To, carry on i yeah. mean it's yeah you're you're asking people if they want to do that no but it's not a, it's not about the danger because those same people would try surfing or try rock climbing which is way more dangerous mm-hmm. i mean even soccer and i was going to bring up soccer is way more dangerous i think than rolling it's just not as hard i've blown my knee out twice in soccer and only once in jiu-jitsu there you go <laughs> there you go yeah. <laughs> your chances of actually there getting those statistics guy mm-hmm. your chances of actually getting in a fight are higher in soccer <laughs> <laughs> i'm not saying they're high but you're never going to get in an actual fight at jiu-jitsu i mean it does happen i've heard of it happening i've never seen it happen this is funny so i've seen plenty of fights in ryan soccer. i gotta tell you a story do you know how i ended up training no, no, you never told me. I was a soccer player my entire life, mm-hmm. like groomed as a kid by my parents, me and my brother, like to be like, you guys are going to be soccer players. Mm-hmm. Whole, my parents played soccer. Like we were like a soccer family. Nice. Played my entire life. And um, I was in a B division team with my brother down in the Bay Area. Mm-hmm. Super competitive, like X, like, 
you know, semi-pro. Everyone was college player. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like super, super competitive. And um, I came up and Kelly actually is like, let's throw together an indoor team. Mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, sure. I'll play more soccer. And he throws together this indoor team. And since we were a new team, it was like C division. Mm-hmm. And um, which is like, and I remember someone telling me, my brother going, you're going to you're gonna do like C division indoor? I'm like, yeah, yeah. It's just like more soccer. He goes, careful, man. It's rough. I'm like, why? He's like, it's, there's two kinds of people. It's guy who used to be good and didn't stay in shape mm-hmm. or it's dude that was never good and just has like a chip on his shoulder. Right, <laughs> right. Yeah. It's going to happen. And, uh, or, or he's an athlete. He's like, I'll try soccer at 37 like me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And everyone drinks before the game. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but we happened to be playing this one game. There's this huge guy and he was just a fucking bully. And he was just cleaning everyone's clock. Mm-hmm. Like, and it was like getting more and more tense. And I had like. Yeah. It's like the prison division. Yeah. I'd like oh, gotten okay. the guy's face. I was like, hey, dude, fucking mellow out. Like, mellow, mm-hmm. like, you know what I mean? This is a fucking rec league soccer. Right. Right. Everyone's got to work in the morning. I was just like, you're being a fucking asshole. Right. And then uh, in the second half, me and him were going for a ball in an indoor soccer. You have walls. It's like a yeah, hockey yeah. where, and this dude just veered off the wall and just straight like hockey checked me in the plexiglass. Oh. But my fans had fucking bounced right off the ground. I had my fucking hands around that dude's neck. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There you go. Punches. Mm. I was so upset that I was waiting for him in the parking lot after the game mm-hmm. and i just was gonna kill this guy i was mm-hmm. so upset but what i was mostly upset about is that he had got my goat that's like because right. i'm not like aggressive person like mm-hmm. i don't like starting i definitely don't start fights i don't like yeah, fighting yeah. I, you know i just but this dude had was such a bully it was like the uh balance of the universe was like a skew if this guy didn't get his ass kicked right yeah <laughs> that's what i was upset about but anyway we came back to that soccer rink used to be right next door to our academy. Oh, okay. Where the moving uh, company is? Yeah, 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 okay. And um, I was going to my next game, and I was with my wife, and I'm sitting in the car, and I'm like, I'm still upset about that guy. And if I see him, like, I still want to find him. And it's like, mm-hmm. I don't like having that feeling. It's like yeah. super negative. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It feels like destructive. It's and, heavy, yeah. And I just like, I looked over at, Nor- at NorCal at our academy, and I'm like, I'm gonna go check it out and that's the last day i played soccer pretty much oh wow awesome man <laughs> except he pulled me out of retirement and i fucking blew out my knee again dang <laughs> every time i pulled him out of retirement he's blown out his knee well don't come out of retirement no man. No, no his wife won't let him and this is the funniest <laughs> thing because you always meet people in our academy mm-hmm. and they're like yeah i wish i could train more but you know my wife is like not into this whole thing you know, mm-hmm. you know the older people oh, families yeah, were. yeah. And when I blew my knee out the second time in soccer is my wife came home and started yelling at me. She goes, look, fighting, jujitsu, that's it. None of this soccer shit. Like this dangerous soccer stuff. (laughs) I was just had my knee all iced up. I was like, well, there's a conversation. A lot of husbands don't hear from me. Hey, there you go. uh, Speaking of injuries, what's your worst injury from fighting? Um, probably my hand. Um, my third MMA fight, I broke my left hand. It's my dominant hand. I'm left-handed. Um, and I broke the uh, the first bone right here in my in my thumb bone as well. Um, I dropped the kid. He was laying, laying down on his back, and I tried to throw an overhand left, and he moved, and I hit the mat. Oof. Um, and really? It, yeah. You'd think his head would be 
a worse thing to hit than the mat? I, I would have loved to have found out, but <laughs> I, um, I still ended up winning the fight. Did I, you know right at the moment? You're like, ooh, fuck. Well, I came into the fight with a thumb injury anyway, um, and as I as I established side control, I was trying to throw some punches, um, and it didn't feel good. So I transitioned over to a uh, um, a key lock, and I I got the submission. Um, but then walking backstage, I was high fiving people and and everything. I could feel the bone like moving, mm. you know. And Ooh. they uh, went to the hospital. My opponent was like, "Ah, oh, you know, it's probably not broken. You know, it's, you're you're new at fighting. It might just be swollen." It's like, dude, it's it's broken, <laughs> you know. And went to the hospital, got checked out, had surgery a few weeks later, and they actually messed up the surgery. Um, they intended to only use pens instead of screws and plates. And as they were inserting a pen, it went inside of my bone, um, of the broken bone because it was like off course and it broke off and it's still, it's still, I still have a pen inside my bone. Oh wow. Um, fucking assholes. Yeah. Um, so then they, they had to, to put a plate and six screws in there, um, which is still in there as well. And, it, Does it give you a little bit more like thump? No, no, no. My hand's <laughs> a little bit weaker. It took a lot of rehab and really? trial and error, and I've I've hurt it a lot. I just re-injured it yeah. a couple weeks ago sparring. Damn. Um, it's been a pretty consistent on and off. Is it something they can fix still? They they told me um, they would have to re-break it and take everything out, and it would just be a mess. It would be a really tough process, um, just as was. Mm-hmm. It took me about a year in between fights um, from the time I broke it to the time I made my return. So, um, and then it still bothers me. It's the only time I've had surgery. Um, yeah, that's that's probably the worst one. I've broken my nose, uh, broken my other hand, a lot of concussions. Those are probably my least favorite injury, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, they're the most detrimental, I think. Um, and the main reason I want to stay away from fighting, you know? Yeah. But um, as far as broken bones and stuff like that, it hasn't been too bad, you know? Oh, man, that sounds brutal. Can you sue them for fucking up that surgery? So I don't think I can because they had me sign a waiver right afterwards. Like, literally, like, right when I woke up, I was still under anesthesia a little bit. And they're like, here, we messed up. Fucking asshole. Yeah. Wow. Mm -hmm. And how old were you? 19. Nobody was in there in the room with you to like, um, like I was really out of it. Parents or I think my grandma and my mom were in and out of the room, but I don't know if they were in there at the time. I don't, I'd have to ask. So in case I'm sure most people that are hearing this, well, maybe not, maybe people don't know this, but never leave someone alone in the hospital that you care about Mm -hmm. because there's so many times that they need, you need someone to vouch for that person. Yeah. They're not going to be with it. What they, they basically like fucked you over yeah, by having time. you sign that. And then made me, yeah, yeah. Made right? me really. I mean, you already had the surgery done. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, fuck it. I'm not signing it. What are you going to do? Undo the surgery? Right. Like, fuck off. And I didn't, I wasn't right. thinking. I was, I was, of course all not. You were, you know, just barely conscious. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so Never leave people alone uh, in the hospital. Learned that the tough way, you know. God damn. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it sucks, you know, but I got to live with it. It's, it's, part of fighting you know it's also something that you can bring to the table when with the the people that you're training and mm-hmm. and the net like you were talking about the next generation yeah, yeah like if someone yeah someone goes in for something like that you'll be able to 
tell them how to how to handle exactly um, not just situations in the ring, but outside, outside yeah. when you're in the hospital. And that's, that's the main thing. It's important. You know? Yeah, we got a few younger kids. They're like 17, 16. They're coming up, um, training like crazy. There are some kids over there that it's that I think I was telling you. I was like, God, I was looking over at some of these kids. There's like perfect like yeah the yeah. technique is so smooth like it's mm-hmm. i'm enjoying them watching as like a spectator right like they're they're getting so good and it's so smooth it's amazing to see i've never i've never experienced it um and just seeing the transition of culture like you guys were saying there was no muay thai before yeah. um now we see people wearing muay thai shorts and I did. you know coming <laughs> up remember, that was one of the things that i noticed when uh you and Noah showed up mm-hmm. as within like a week I walked in and there's all these dudes wearing Muay Thai shorts and like no shirts <laughs> and they're all just sitting cross-legged in the ring. I'm like wearing the head like, gear. If they all showed up here on those tiny mopeds, like <laughs> <laughs> I got one of those tiny <laughs> mopeds. <laughs> you know, that's, that's what I'm proud about is, is the changing of the culture. But, um, a lot of these, I think it's so awesome, man. It's, it's really, it's, really cool. It's neat to yeah. see. I've never experienced it before. Yeah. Um, but a lot of these young kids are so stubborn and yeah. they think they can train through injuries and do this and that. And I was one of those kids. And now I'm like, that's my main goal is to prevent that, you know, and totally. teach them to think. And yeah, you have the experience. They have to know that what you're talking about, it comes from a place of experience. And some things you can only know when you go through it. You know, I could speak until I'm blue in the face to some of these guys and they just won't get it until yeah. they get into yeah, it. Yeah, that's true. You know, but I try, I try. Well, the smarter ones will. Smarter ones will get it. Well, we're again, we're back to the self-selecting population. I mean, it's a certain personality that's going to walk in there and decide, like, yeah, I want to be a fighter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like there's something, you know what I mean? We, we got some unique brain chemistry going on, you know, as our selective base mm-hmm. for and our I, study. I hear that a lot, and that that's always a statement that kind of gets me um, when people come and say they want to be a fighter. You right. know, I take it very serious. Um, and there's an easy way to to wean them out and see how serious they are. And yeah. you learn, um, who is about it and who's just, you know, wants attention, you yeah. know? Um, yeah, if I see people that are serious, I give them everything, you know, I, I try and I want to do my best to make sure that they, they, they grow as best they can, you know, but not everybody's about it. Yep. Oh, awesome. Awesome. I like that.